Jesus' name. Praise God. God's going to turn it around for you. He has turned it around already. Bless the Lord. So we are right at this time for the word. We bless the Lord. Praise God. So right at this time, I'm going to introduce our very own Apostle, Dr. Apostle Susan Howe. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. So good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Beautiful. Hallelujah. Amen. If you didn't take a, a moment this morning to say hello to someone on your left or your right or behind you, take a moment to do that. And after you do that, that is your permission to have a seat. You can even take a minute if you want and just look a couple rows behind and, and greet and say hello. It is good when brethren dwell together in unity, in love. Hallelujah. How y'all doing today? Okay, blessed, wonderful, all right. Excuse me. Maybe I can just go on home. I don't even have no job to do. I don't have a job to do anymore. They done put me out of business. <laughs> Who yelled never? <laughs> He's yelling never. Don't even think about it. Oh, my God. Wonderful. How y'all doing since revival? What therefore shall we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? I, I have to be so careful when I make comments up here because oftentimes, you know, anything that's ever said is based on somebody's perception and reality. So some people get stuck in perceptions and never seek out the truth of things. So it can be a, a touchy situation sometimes. But um, I, I share with y'all already, and those who are close to me, they already know that one of my favorite gifts in the fivefold is the teacher. And it's also. Um, the most neglected as well because nobody wants to be a teacher but when you see that apostolic people are apostolic in their Christian nature in their spiritual nature the fivefold gift has prophetic and apostolic all over it so it's not just the Sunday school teachers that we had growing up in church when we were little it's not that. It's not the people that we just send into a room because they like to teach or there's nothing else we can find for them to do. So we always consider them kind of powerless. But the office of the teacher, I mean, even think about the evangelists. We, we, another place that we just make an exhorter. True evangelists have to have healing power. No one's going to send you out of their house to grab broken, lost people without equipping you with the power to heal. If you are of the five-fold evangelist, you have power. You're sitting right next to someone who needs healing and you're waiting for somebody to call your name or do something special in your life or more to the point, waiting for God to heal us when that healing is already in you. 
for the five-fold teacher. I'm the five-fold teacher under apostleship. And I have prophetic already because the teacher has to have prophecy to reveal scripture, to reveal what is already revealed, but through a glass that can be seen much clearer than just reading of the word of God. Of course, everybody wants to be a prophet because they all want to know that they hear from God or make people happy with the messages that they hear from God. Mm-hmm. Make people happy with the word they hear from God. How many of y'all was happy with the word y'all heard from God at Revival? <laughs> y'all was happy. Y'all some interesting people. Beat me some more. I sat there and I was like, I, 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 I just end service. I was not happy. That word is, it's not work for you to do, but it's going to be work on you now. The Holy Spirit actually told me to do the deliverance portion today of that word. Because oftentimes we get a powerful word in this house. And when I talk to different people, they don't know what to do with it. Now, many that night, maybe like mother said, was healed, boom, and they're good. If you're here today, I congratulate you, I celebrate you, but there's some in here I believe that might be like the rest of us. And this year, this word gotta continue marinating in us and working in us. Because remember, when he talked about the divine divorce, this thing doesn't possess you, you have now taken possession of it. And the Lord told me one way to know if you've taken possession of the thing that is illegal, that has already been defeated, is you're fighting it. We don't fight, or we're not supposed to fight when a police officer arrests us because he's legally doing his job. So we don't fight, we take the ticket. Why are we fighting something that's illegal? That's not supposed to be happening. He said, God already defeated it. By my stripes, you are healed. He's taken all of our infirmities on his back. But you see, we, we are taught so much in church about picking up weapons and fighting the devil and cutting the juggler vein that we always think we got to fight something. But when you fight something, you are now taking ownership of that thing. God said to tell us today, don't fight. I've already picked up the battle for you and, and I'm only going to reiterate I'm not going to change anything he said enough is enough stop fighting it loose that thing and let it go he didn't speak to the demon did y'all did y'all follow on the podcast go on our podcast and just download it I, every time I get in my car it starts all over again it's playing all over again. And God is giving me more and showing me more because as, as the, the chief of the house, as church folks like to say, the angel of the house, this is something that I've been battling, fighting with. And now we need to be equipped as intercessors and prophets to sweep the house clean. When I was, I did a lot of looking up of it because I knew it was more than sickness. See, the spirit of infirmity, the first manifestation of it is sickness. But that is not the totality of it. Everything I looked up on the spirit of infirmity said that people start missing church because they're sick. 
um, people's children are always sick and causing them to miss church. Spirit of infirmity. Why would the enemy care whether you miss church or not? I'm going to give you his three points from Tuesday night. Anything that is coming against your position, your potential, and your production is a spirit of infirmity. Whatever you have attached yourself to, this battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Loose that thing and let it go. What did he say? Woe, man, thou art loosed. You are loose from it. You are fighting a battle that's already won. Think about boxing. What boxer would go into a ring with somebody already defeated? They're always looking for a champion to fight. We're fighting something that's already been defeated. What is your reason for fighting? Pick up your weapons. We love fighting. I remember years ago, I had to tell Elder Joy and, and Elder Lisa, they smiling. They already know it's their Sunday again. And they was down here, and, you know, I'm busy. It's a grassroots ministry, so basically everything that started in here, I had to have some part in it, if not the totality of growing that thing before I can wait for purpose to come in and pass the thing over to someone else. And when they came... In the church, there was a woman that was here, and she seemed pretty steadfast in prayer. So I said, okay, I'm going to need you to train these two for me because I'm upstairs. I'm doing pastoral counsel with some members that are struggling. So I'm upstairs, and I had somebody had told another family member about the counseling and how good the counseling was, and they were getting delivered in the office, so they brought someone else in from the outside. And this woman and her husband was in my office, and their kids was waiting in the waiting room. And the kids knocked on the door, and they said, can we come in? We're afraid. So I said to the parents, sure, let them come on in. We're just going to change the topic tonight. We don't want them to feel afraid because that's going to hinder what God wants to do in y'all tonight. So all of a sudden, I, I paid attention. I wanted to know what these kids was afraid of. And I heard my intercessors down there going, cut the juggler vein. Choke Satan. They were like, turn him upside down and drain the blood out of him. I mean, I'm exaggerating. But they were really going in on what they was going to do to the devil. That these kids up there in the waiting room was like, what is going on in this church that's supposed to be a safe place? So I went down to them. I said, I'm the general in this army, right? Has God told me that we were at war with anything? Because generals sound the alarm. They let you know that there's a breach, there's a leak, there's an enemy in the camp. And then they bring it to prophets, they bring it to the intercessors, and they begin to put together generals in their ranking and sphere. And then we get it out to the congregation, and we get the house praying on one accord about whatever it is that's trying to attack us. I said, why are y'all fighting? I said, you should be down here in worship. Lisa was like, what? Do you remember that? We sat up under those stairs right there. And I said, Lisa, sometimes during your worst battles, all you got to do is bless the Lord. He shows up. He sends angels on assignment. She was like, thank God, because we tired. <laughs> she said, we fighting and cutting and sweating and we tired. She, we don't even want to come to prayer. It's exhausting to even come to prayer because all we were doing was fighting. Now, nothing against the person who was showing them because I believe that their mandate is spiritual warfare. So people who have those um, gifts and callings are only used 
during times of spiritual warfare. They can't train an army because you don't know by worshiping God, he inhabits the praises of his people. And he will come down and he will send angels on assignment. And while you're telling God how much you love him and how beautiful he is and how blessed are the feet of those that spread the gospel, angels are shoom, 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 shoom. And they're being released and dispatched and they're handling matters. And you ain't even know there was a fight. What was happening way back then was they were becoming bullies because the enemy wasn't here. We were calling him and picking fights with him. And I remember that clearly. I'm a cut the juggler vein. I was like, whoa, where was these chicks when I was in high school? <laughs> Powerful. So the next step from revival, the text that we came from on Tuesday night was Luke 13, 1 through 16. And he shared how you can be in the church, even in the pulpit, and sick in the church. So don't think because you're in church, as we have always said, that you are exempt from things that are going on in human people's life. We're still human. We have not gained our wings. Don't let anybody make you feel bad because, well, how when you go to church? I'm still human. Church is not heaven. It's just a satellite location of heaven. It's one day when we get to heaven. But we are not in heaven yet. And don't let anyone, <laughs> my Siri won't turn off, y'all, right? So I keep talking about heaven, so it pulled up my map. I would like to know where it's going to take me. And now it won't let me close my map out on here. I'd like to know where heaven is according to Siri. Let me stop saying her name because she's acting up again. So don't feel bad about what God has revealed to the house. This is what we have been praying for. I even went back to the week before and I listened to EPT Word. And I was like, God was already preparing us for this message, this deliverance that was coming. And then I even went back when I was preaching on the mighty breasted one. And I heard same and similar context right in there where God was preparing us for this night of what he wanted to do in our life. I have to finish this portion because... The healing has to take place in our lives because some of us are still picking up our weapons and fighting this thing and the fight is over. Tell yourself, the fight is over. I'm not fighting any longer. I'm fighting something illegal. I'm fighting something that has already been beaten and my God has already won. Look at your neighbor. Why are you fighting? Come on, trigger them today. I want to expose them. I want them triggered. Why are you fighting? You only fight things you care about. Can I get in the house? When we stop fighting, we don't care anymore. Stop fighting and let God fight our battles. See, we want to prove something. We want to win something. It's exhausting us. And more importantly, it's stealing, according to Tuesday's revival, our God-given position. This thing ain't playing. It don't even care about killing you. It just wants to stop you, hinder you, distract you. It wants to take your position in God away. Didn't he say that? It wants to take your potential away. He used the fig tree, the mustard seed, and the leaven. 
And he talked about things that instead of helping you be positioned in what God has called you to, helping you re reach your potential that God has anointed you for, and making sure that you are producing at the level God has called for your life to produce, it's stealing from us. Now, the thing I want you to know today, because I want to be clear on this, about the spirit of infirmity, he also called it depression when he was here. It's not just a physical manifestation. So many of us might ignore the call to be healed from the spirit of infirmity because I'm healthy. I love when I go to the doctor and I get my report. They're like, you're not on any medications? Nope. You don't take anything at all? Nope. No high blood pressure? You just took my blood pressure. No high cholesterol? Nope. Nothing. So. In that mindset, I might feel I'm healed. That message was for somebody else. Understand that the spirit of infirmity isn't just a physical infirmity. It's a soul infirmity. Which might explain why God called me in to this realm of studying the soul over seven years ago. Spirit of infirmity. He said that you have to have a divine divorce from this thing. This, this is where it got personal for me because I don't like the word divorce. I don't like the word divorce. It bothers me. And God said, all right, Suzanne, you want me to make it nice for you? Divine divorce. And I was like, okay, now you're up my street. Now you're talking to me. Now I can begin to handle this thing. What does it mean to be divorced? He said, remove it from the house, right? Detain it no longer. You, you're detaining it. Do not detain it. When you are detained at the airport or in custody, something is detaining you. Divorce means you are no longer detaining it. Are y'all with me? It means division from old things. It means dissolved. This spirit already upset. Have y'all noticed it? Anybody been attacked with sickness since the word came? Some kind of symptoms, your chest, yup, those little things, yup. This thing is real. And he walked as a teacher, as a prophetic teacher, because God gave him just enough to do what he called him to do. Now the healing portion has to happen here now. It's something that you divide, that's divorce. Something that's dissolved, it's a disunion. It's something that you have to disunion yourself that you fastened yourself to. Remove from the house, detain no longer. What are the symptoms of this thing? It's robbing us of position, potential, and production. He even went a little bit further. God gave him a little eye into pulpits. Because he said churches and Christians, and then he was specific when he talked about the apostles' house, when he was talking about the kingdom, when he was talking about churches. He said people have been getting in pulpits and preaching, and they've been sick. They've been robbed. People are getting excited over the level of word and healing and deliverance that's come, but it's nowhere near the position or the potential or the level of production that God has for them. Somebody say, I ain't no fig tree. So what have you attached yourself to that has been robbing God 
out of the passion that's his. I want to go so slow. And I'm going to release the congregation at a decent hour. And then those who need to be here, we're going to be here. What have I attached myself to that has been robbing God of the passion that's his? Right. That kind of went over my head Tuesday night. It's robbing God. This thing, we're just, we're just a casualty of the war against good and evil. We're just casualties. This thing isn't really, and it could care less about what happens to us. This thing is robbing God of the passion, the position, the potential, the production that belongs to God. What is it that is causing you and I to live less than our potential? The revivalist said, we are subbed with a performance on Sundays. Somebody say enough is enough. This is something we're going to work out in Bible study. But again, I'm just here to do the healing and deliverance portion of the word that's already been sent forth. We've even labeled this um, spirit of infirmity part two, healing. This is the part where we didn't have at the altar that we need to have. Somebody say enough is enough. He said in his text, faith is not caring who sees me. If you still care about who sees you and what they know about you, that's ego, that's pride, it's got to go. It's hindering you. And faith is not caring who sees you or who knows your business. And that's something I realized I came into when I was trying to figure out this whole walk with God, I had to finally get to a point. I didn't care who knew what they knew. The, the gossip was always worse than what the truth really was, right? The stuff that we really do barely comes out. It's always the exaggerated portion of it. Something somebody amplified to make a story interesting or to share, or, you know, the dramatics. When you watch things on television and it's based on a true story, but some of the events, it says, has been dramatized for production of TV. Hollywood, we make it Hollywood. But this thing has been robbing you of your position, your potential, and your production. And we have now attached ourselves to it, and it's now robbing God of the passion that's his. It's causing us to let live less than our potential. To the point it's caused us to sub substitute it. We are subbing it with the performance on Sundays. Because it has become normal to us. Are we all right today? Okay, y'all all right? We never did this before. Y'all all right? He said, nobody even brought the woman to Jesus. It was normal. Oh, she always rude. Oh, he always have outbursts. Oh, um, they, they just like that. And we normalize dysfunctional behavior and let it live in the church. And we get to the point where we're like, girl, don't even pay attention to that. That's just the way she is. That's just the way it is. We normalize functional behavior when we are living under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who has rooted out all dysfunction. Why would the church be so comfortable with just saying that's just them. 
to the point that the woman that he referenced in Luke 13, she wasn't even asking for God to help her anymore. He said she wasn't asking God for anything. God showed up on her behalf. How many of y'all stopped asking God for help? Asking God to deliver you. Asking God to help me. It's okay to be honest. I go before the people. Once in a while when I'm like on the end, I'll maybe be like, God. But I got to be really pushed to the end to ask anything for me. This woman wasn't asking God for anything. You know why? Because she had taken possession of that thing. She was fighting that thing herself. She didn't even know that she got in God's way. God could have dealt with that thing sooner if she had gotten out of the way and let God fight the battle that really belonged to him. She attached herself to it. And then it began robbing her God who she loved. So much more, but I can't go there. I've got to stay with what I have. Faith is not caring who sees you or who knows. You want help. You want deliverance. The word for this healing today and this deliverance today has already been released. That's why some of y'all had such attacks since Tuesday with sickness. Mother even said, she was like, what is this thing? Because it doesn't want to go away without a battle. Because it knows that if it provokes you enough, if it triggers you enough, it can get you to get back in the fight with it. Now, I'm a fighter. I've always been a fighter my entire life because I was bullied as a baby child in the family. So I was taught how to fight. So I, my first move to is fight. Now we got to learn how to rest. We've got to learn how to let God fight this battle. And you know how we do that? Let me tell you how, to, how you do that. He said, number one, you have to repeat to yourself, Jesus sees me. He sees me. God, I feel this sickness, but I know you see me. God, this spirit of infirmity is still attaching itself to me or attacking or coming after me. Jesus, I know you see me. Jesus, you see me. Say it. You see me, Jesus. I know that you see me. Say, I know. Say it with confidence. He said this woman was bowed physically. But when you look up the spirit of infirmity, I'm going to have to be honest with you, the Catholic priests have the very, very best teaching I could find on infirmity. And they said not only was she bowed physically, she was bowed spiritually. Sometimes the enemy only has to make you sick to stop your, come on, position, potential, and production. There's some of us that he's got to get past touching our physical stuff. We don't let it stop us anymore. And now what he does, he comes after our soul. And this is where repentance comes in, y'all, because the enemy can only bring up to God about us. The enemy can only bring to us are the things that we have unrepented. If the blood is on it, if we have repented for it, it is no longer in our soul, which takes us back to Hamden, Connecticut. A couple weeks before revival, God was preparing us again, prerequisites to this healing and deliverance. The word I preach is repent. We've got to get to back to repentance. Why is this thing still haunting you? Because you have not repented. Repentance doesn't mean you're wrong. 
Some stuff in our life, high blood pressure came from the family line. We didn't do anything to get that. Our bad eating habits, our bad disposition, failed marriages, women that are Jezebelic in the family line, that stuff came. We were born into that mess. Why do I have to repent? Because it's attached itself to you. And when you begin to try to fight it, these weapons of our warfare are not carnal. When you begin to fight that thing, you now take possession of it. Tell your neighbor, stop fighting. Don't fight back. It wants you to fight back. Stop fighting. Come on, tell yourself, stop fighting. It wants you to fight back. It's trying to drain you. It's trying to take your position. It's trying to take your potential. It's trying to stop your production. This battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. You are a casualty of the war. Stop being a casualty of this war. No longer letting it cause you to live less than your potential. Some of us have had visions and, and dreams and, and flashbacks or scenes during the daytime that we know there's something greater for us to do. Prophecies have come. Why is it taking so long to come to pass? Was the prophets wrong? Was this stuff not true? Was I just visioning about what I want to be and what I want to do? Was it not God who gave me this vision? You have to release yourself from the thing that you are fighting. Somebody say, this battle is not mine. This battle's not mine. This battle is the Lord's. I loose it so I can live. Be loosed so I can live. I loose it so I can live. Ain't fighting no more. This spirit of infirmity brings about feebleness. I want to give you some of the um, symptoms. Some of the symptoms first is you notice that your position, your potential, and your production are, are halted. They're being under attack, whatever you want to use. Some more symptoms is feebleness. You know what feebleness means? Huh? Wishy-washy, I'll take that. Unsteady, yep. What does he say about unstable people? All and everything they do, they're unstable. Double-mindedness, we'll take all of that. Another symptom is imperfection. Another symptom is weakness. Another symptom is you have become unsound. Another symptom, unhealthy. Yeah. The worst symptom, in my own opinion, one of these others may be yours because you're dealing with health. And I think even Job would tell you, when the enemy touches your health, it can be game over. But for me, it's a, debil a debilitated state of mind. The government, God says, when the enemy goes after your mind, we all know from learning about soul detox how the mind actually tells you where you have pain at in your body. Your leg doesn't know that it's bleeding, it's hurt, it's cut. Your mind gets the, the, the message and tells you pain down here. That's why when you take medication, barely do they have us rub stuff on the area. Usually the pills go in our mouth. Debilitated minds can cause sicknesses in the body. 
You go to the doctor. Anybody ever been so sick and the doctor couldn't get you in right away? And then when you get to the emergency room with a doctor, the pain is gone? That demon said, phew, I'm out of here. Sometimes all you have to do is make the appointment and it just goes away on you. It's like, what was that? Debilitated state of mind, debilitated body. They have this thing on TV. I know it used to be there a few years ago with Dr. Oz and he would have 20 and 30 and 40 year old people and he would do this system on their body and tell them you have a body of a 65-year-old, you have a body of a 70-year-old. He's actually had 40-year-old people that have bodies of an 80-year-old because they're not taking care of their body, so their body is aging quicker than they are. Debilitated body. I found out that there is a house of infirmities. And I think this is probably what the text was coming from in Luke where another definition talked about how you should never allow a friend to bear their own infirmities. When you allow your friends, your loved one, to stay in infirmed conditions, you have normalized dysfunction. Not their dysfunction, you have normalized dysfunction. A friend should bear his friend's infirmities. Now, what do you think it means by beer? Because I've seen some religious people go really crazy and say, put this on me, Jesus. Put it on me. Take it off of them. I'm stronger than them. Put it. Don't ever pray a prayer like that. Please. What do you think it means to bear someone's infirmities? Compassion what? Pray. What are we praying and interceding? For what? for their healing. Anyone else? I've seen parents do it for their children because they don't want to see their children suffer. The enemy will use the spirit of infirmity to seduce your heart for someone who's maybe feeble or weak or someone you truly love to take on their condition. Has anybody ever witnessed this in their life? I've witnessed it and I've seen these people die while the sick one lived on for many, many years. Do not think that this is not real. Can I keep going? Because we're getting ready to come to the altar. Some of y'all want to stay in your seats. That is fine with me. But if you know you the type to spaz out and break out, I need you to get away from people. And I need you to come to the altar with the rest of the people who can accept your spazzing out and your breaking out. Because there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes the, the enemy that has provoked such enmity, your natural flesh, your natural body will have a reaction to that thing being loosed from you. And I'm going to release people who don't feel that this word is for them today. I'm, I'm fine with that. I need the people here for the altar call that this word is for. I want to just bring down a little bit more before we do it. Are y'all all right? Everybody feeling okay? Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers us today, that has made an atonement for all our sicknesses, for all of our sins. I pray right now for a spirit of repentance to hit this house. I pray for repentance from ancestors, from generations from the past. I pray for repentance for attaching things that should never have been attached to us. I pray against dysfunction. I apply the blood of Jesus against dysfunction. I apply the blood of Jesus about normalizing dysfunction. I 
apply the blood of Jesus to any feebleness, imperfections, weaknesses, unsoundness of mind, and more importantly, unsoundness of word unhealthy bodies debilitated states of mind and debilitated bodies I apply the blood of Jesus to the house of infirmities from every house y'all know houses represent families and one adult is all you need to cover a family I see some of y'all agreeing and touching with me today by standing I needed y'all today we have to dig deep into our own soul. This is about, and he said it, this is about doing your own work. This is for your soul. Say, this is for my soul. I'm digging deep, come on, into my own soul. I am here today to do the work. Some of the symptoms are traumas from past hurts. You have attached yourself to the trauma. This thing happened 18, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. The memory is gone. But in you, it lives on as if it just happened. Because this thing, the memory is gone. But for you, you have attached yourself to it. And you relive this memory every single day. That is sign. If you have had trauma in your life, abuses of any kind in your childhood, cause to be living in fear or frightened over anything, abandonment is trauma. If this was you and it happened a long time ago, repent of it now. I repent of the spirit of abandonment, the spirit of fear. I repent for being afraid. Just repent. Repentance looses the devil's rights to be with you. Repentance doesn't mean you did anything wrong. When you repent, you are clean. It can't attach to you any longer. Let me go through the symptoms and then we're going to do an altar call. Trauma and past hurts. Y'all know I do work in soul detox work till we, we've, we've coined the term the soul doctor. And to know that when you come into Christ, people believe that Christians cannot be possessed. I agree. But then we're going to have to have some, some discussion on what does it mean to come into Christ. Because some people come into Christ already possessed. And if you can't, you can't confess, you can't have dark and light in the same body. So if you did not truly confess and repent when you came to God, you never came to God. I'm not even going to duck. So that's why we have people in the church who are healed, set free, and delivered, and others who maybe been here longer, still battling the same thing, still dealing with the terms and conditions of Satan and not living the abundant, prosperous, healthy, wealthy life of God. And wealth means different things for different people. Ain't nobody say you got to be rich. My health is my wealth. But prosper is a man to gain the world and to lose his soul. Let me go here and then I'll hit symptoms. When understanding this, let me make this note clear. The spirit of infirmity is a strong man. There's different spirits. Not all spirits are strong men. This one is in the Bible as being a strong man. Do y'all know the text about the strong man? Uh-huh. How can a man come in and rob your house unless he is stronger than the man who owns the house? 
So this spirit is a strong man and it comes in to fight the head of the house to take over the house. So these things are what we call open doors. And some of this started in our lineage. Somebody say lineage. Some of us have inherited weaknesses from our family lineage. And it's an area that you should really get with someone and spend some Tuesday nights here in the church repenting and being healed, delivered and set free from weaknesses that were passed down in your lineage. Our ancestors may have done things that we are completely unaware of that can still affect us today. What are open doors? Crisis. An emotional or physical crisis can leave doors open that we must deal with and close so that the enemy will not continue to harass and hassle us in that part of our life. Closing the doors, lineage, crisis, ignorance. The enemy loves ignorance. He loves our darkness. Ignorance is an open door. Ignorance of what? Ignorance of the word. And it can leave opening in our defenses that are devastating for the believer. How can they believe for them that have not heard? Paul, in different epistles, warns believers. Somebody say believers. Somebody say, that's you and I. Believers. He wasn't on a street corner yelling and screaming to passerbys. He was talking to the people in the church, and he warns the believers six times. Somebody say six times. He warns them of what six times? Not to be ignorant concerning the word of God. How can you be a Christian you don't spend time in your word? And not just spending time in your word, but studying the word of God. It's not enough to just read it. When you don't know the word of God, you are ignorant of the devices. You don't know your rights. Are y'all all right? Matthew 18 and 18, I'm going to read it. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Wake up. Walk honestly. Put off the works of darkness. Remember, when Paul was writing this, he was writing to Christian body of believers, just like you and I. He's not writing to pagans. He's not in Babylon. These believers were into darkness. Some of them were still hanging on to the past. Some of them have made pets of their sins. I hope y'all getting this. I hope I ain't working harder than y'all getting because I'm getting mine. If that is the case in our lives, we must cast off those things that pull us down spiritually. 
asking the Holy Spirit to show you where you are weak, the weak areas, and start changing them with the help of the Holy Spirit. I want you to truly take a moment right now and go before God. We're going to enter presence, presence of the Holy One, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, Alpha and Omega. We're entering into his presence, and I want you to ask him to show you where you are weak. You have to do this on your own. I can't do it all. Take a moment. Show us where we're weak and allow the Holy Spirit to make intercession on our behalves so that we may have the strength to change these behaviors. And once we know where we are weak, we will put on the armor of God. We will put on the garment of praise. Some will have to get back to starting your day with making up your mind to put on the entire armor of God. In Matthew 12 and 29, this is why it's important for you to know your weaknesses. Matthew 12 and 29 says, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, take his goods from him? except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. He will have ownership to everything that's yours. Your position, your potential, and your production. Why we are back at this today on Sunday, August 27th in the year of our Lord, 2023 at precisely 12.32 p.m., it's because it's time for follow-up. It wasn't enough just to bind a strong man and to cast him out with all his belongings. Follow-up work is necessary. Can somebody say follow-up? Say, I'm following up today with God. We're going to learn. We must learn. We must remember to maintain the freedom God has given to us, whether it be the case of possession or just harassment. That will keep us from having to repeat the same hassles, frustrations over and over and over again. This is why some of us have seen others of the faith never seem to get beyond a certain point in their own spiritual lives. Whenever they arrive at a certain plateau, somebody say position, Something seems to kick their spiritual legs out from under them. Somebody say potential. And then they land back at the square once again. Somebody say production. After the house is cleaned by repentance. Somebody say repentance. Of sin and rejection of satanic influences. We must then feed on the word of God. So that our house is transformed into the temple of the Holy Spirit. Trauma. We teach in psychology and in soul work. That trauma is barely memories. 
and yet trauma has taken over so many people's lives. It's killed, steal, destroyed due to trauma. It stopped, hindered, dissolved position, potential, and production. Say trauma is just memories. The blood of Jesus heal my traumatic memories. Come on, y'all gonna have to act like you want this now. You gotta stop worrying about who's next to you, how who's with you. Um, by the time we do altar call, they're gonna turn off this camera and we're gonna let the word of God come in and do its follow-up, do its healing and deliverance work. Somebody say trauma. trauma. The blood of Jesus. I apply you to my post-traumatic memories, to my traumatic past hurts. Spirit of the living God. I repent unto you and I turn over all habits that are unlike you. I will not be led by my emotions. I will be led by the spirit of the living God. I will not allow dysfunctional things in me to become normalized. I will not expect others to accept my dysfunction and normalize it. Spirit of the living God, I no longer pursue a title, a name, or a reputation more than deliverance. Spirit of the living God, see me, see who I am, call my name, say your name. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over every name. God sees where we are today. God sees where you are today. He said on Tuesday that many have become overwhelmed with their current situation. You can only see where you are now. Who is God speaking to today? All you can see is you. And all you can see is where you are now. You can't see anything for the future. You can't encourage yourself because the enemy has overwhelmed you with seeing only where you are now. With that, he is robbing you of your faith. Enemy of God, return my faith. My faith has been returned, has been restored. And it will be nothing less than on Jesus Christ and him crucified. I have the gift of faith. My Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ. Spirit of the living God, I repent for what has robbed my faith. Another symptom, public dysfunction. When the enemy has made a mockery out of you in your circle, your social circles, your family life, your friends, your church life, your business life, your city, your town, your state, social media. He likes to broadcast your public dysfunction. And because you have normalized your dysfunction, he has made you public. With this repentance, we're going to believe God to restore to you 
the reputation that God sees as your potential, the reputation that belongs to your position, and the reputation that produces the production in your life. Father God, in the name of Jesus, forgive my dysfunction, my conscious dysfunction, and my unconscious dysfunction. The enemy has made it public and embarrassed your name. I return to you and will no longer be a part of the enemy robbing God with showing people my public dysfunction. In the name of Jesus, apply the blood of Jesus on my dysfunction in Jesus' name. The main step to this to remember is repentance. Wake up repenting. Repent before you eat. Make it a habit in your life. Not where it becomes clichéic, but we are the Holy Spirit. When you repent, it comes to your mind exactly what you need to repent of. Because without repentance, Sin or doing things that God has not approved for in your life is like eating bad food. It regurgitates. It regurgitates. And you don't even realize when you are deflecting the guilt and the shame of what you have done on other people because you can't deal with the heartburn of your sin. The acid reflux, the acid indigestion, that's what it does when we don't repent. And it's simple. Nobody has to know. God is not trying to make you public by your sins and your dysfunction. He covers us. He loves us. His name is above you. He does not, if anybody should make our mess public, it should be God. It is until him that we sin. But he covers us and he reminds us that love covers a multitude of sins. I'm not here to embarrass you, my children. That is the devil. That is the worker of darkness that wants to reveal to the world and publicize your dysfunction. But not today. You aren't loosed. Not no more because enough is enough. We bind it in the name of Jesus. You will walk through the guilt and the shame of your dysfunction. You will not exit out of it to relieve the guilt and the shame. The guilt and the shame is a sign you are overdue for repentance. Lift your head, O ye gates, and let the king of glory come in. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and he has made it great. Loose that thing. Loose it. What is it in your life? Get it in your mind. Loose it. Loose it. Repent for possessing it. Even though we didn't know. And anytime you fight it again, you are possessing that thing again. We battle not against spouses and family members, but spirits and principalities and high places. Tell your neighbor, stop fighting it. Tell yourself, stop fighting it. It's illegal. Say it. It's already been defeated. Stop fighting with it. 
I'm praying today, and I've been praying since Tuesday for those bowed physically and those bowed spiritually with the spirit of infirmity that has been robbing your faith, causing you to be overwhelmed with your current situation where all you can focus on is where you are now. That's what the devil is trying to trying to steal your potential because he has already caused your production to come to an halt. I want you to be reminded today that Jesus sees you. Say it. Jesus sees me. I want you to be reminded today of step two. Jesus has called you to him. You didn't go looking for him. You didn't even know that this thing was something that was dysfunctional. But now he has showed up to our house and he has called you to him. He has called your name. Remind yourself every day. This morning I had to remind myself. I had to say, Suzanne, God called your name. This thing is no longer legal in my life I will not let it possess me I loose this thing and I let it go this battle belongs to the Lord this is not my battle enough is enough I am divinely divorcing the situation disunion loosening myself from what I have fastened it to I am removing from the house I am detaining no longer making division from the own it would no longer rob me of position potential and production in the name of Jesus. Thirdly, he said all God had to do was declare deliverance. So on Tuesday night, he has declared deliverance for us and he said, thou art loose. Do not let the enemy come back to you after this. Stay in repentance. Stay applying the blood. You must speak these things. This is where our faith comes in. We have to speak these things. This isn't a conversation that you got to keep having internally with God. You can, Sometimes when you're in the house by yourself, take advantage of it. I loose this spirit of fear. I loose this spirit of infirmity. God has called my name. God sees me, devil. You're a liar. He called me by my name, and my name knows God. My name recognizes to God. Just like Lazarus' name responded to when God called him, my body and my name lines up in response to the will of God. God has declared deliverance for me. I am loosed. Repent. Remind yourself that Jesus sees you. Remind yourself that Jesus called you. Don't be seduced by seducing spirits. This thing is bigger than you winning an argument. It's stealing your position, your potential. And some of y'all know that you haven't been producing what you should be producing. And we came in with a prophetic teacher who bullseyed exactly what it is that we need to fight against. The Bible says people pray amiss. They're praying all these other fancy prayers and speaking in all these other languages and trying to do all their homiletics and all their and everything else that they want to add charismata to make it good. Repent! Remember we talked on Thursday night that the kingdom of God will always be near you but never with you because what did he say in Hamden, Connecticut? Repent for the kingdom of God at hand is near. He said different things, right? But why was he telling them that? There was no repentance so the kingdom of God had not fully come for them. We got to repent. Tell your neighbor, repent. I want you to start right now wherever you are. 
I want you to start repenting. And if you feel led to come to this altar, I want you to come to this altar. If you're safe and doing it in your seat, you can stay right where you are in your seat. If there's anyone here today and you are ready to be dismissed, you got what you needed today and you don't feel like you need to be here for this next portion, we want to thank you truly for being with us today. We thank you and recognize that you have been led today by the spirit of the living God to be here. And I believe God has spoken to you and met you where you are. Do not be ashamed for leaving. But if there's any voices that are not of God that is causing you to leave, I beg of you, I challenge you to come, pick up your mat and walk to this altar and meet us here. Do not allow the enemy to steal from you another day. Do not allow the enemy to rob from God the passion that is due God. I'm going to pray this prayer over you. And I'm going to allow you to hear it before you agree with it. That's important to me. And there will be parts where you may have to insert your name in it. But today, specifically, we're going to pray against the spirit of infirmity. We're going to pray against cancer. And we're going to pray against heart diseases. Those are the areas where the enemy is sending diseases that will work through our circulatory system. Father, today... We come together touching in the green, together and in the spirit of unity to the spirit of the living God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask that the angels be sent on assignment, releasing the blood of Jesus, the atoning blood, the Passover blood, the healing blood, the blood of repentance. And if he would begin to just pour in the realm of the spirit, the healing nature of God, we will continue to pray, Father, and repent until we see your glory. Today we stand binding the strong man, the strong man of infirmity and all underlying spirits, such as bulimia, bent body, spine issues, diabetes, dyslexia, dementia, fibromyalgia, high blood pressure, low blood sugar, hypertension, heart disease, and malfunctions, muscular diseases, impotent, frail, lame, asthma, hay fever, backaches, back problems, fever, fever allergies, arthritis, Parkinson's disease, weakness, lingering disorders, oppression, tumors, cancers and all kinds of diseases in the name of Jesus your word teaches us that sin and sickness is one thing but diseases are demons we come against the diseases that are 100% demons Jesus died for us he died for all diseases he took 39 lashes on his back for them there are 39 diseases that include asthma and allergies and they are 100% demonic Satan wants to smother you he wants to restrict you he wants to restrict your diet he wants to take eating away from you any illness that takes away anything from your life is demonic and we cancel the assignment of the enemy now in the name of Jesus hallelujah father we bless your name we bless your name father Lord Jesus forgive me of the sins I have committed 
that open the doors to the spirit of infirmity. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of the sins I committed that opened the doors to the spirit of infirmity. I repent of them now. Lord, I forgive those who offended me. I bind and cast out all bitterness and resentment concerning them. 